we are going to go to the cross a little different. We're not going to make the usual uh, walk from the wilderness down through Jerusalem, but we're going to go to the cross through the I am statements that Jesus makes. Um, you find them first in the Old Testament. Uh, if I had been here last Sunday, we may have done a transfiguration out of Exodus, which may have just been a little flip on itself. But um, you find that first I am statement in the Old Testament. And John has a very real purpose for writing these. Uh, he says, basically in John 20, 31, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is Christ. The background for John's gospel is the framework of Jesus' understanding of his own mission that is shaped and mediated through the scriptures. This is written by D.A. Carson. John also gives us two questions to ponder, to think about when we move through Lent, through the statements of the I am. Who is Jesus? And what do we do with his words and teachings? In Exodus 3, God tells calls himself I am. If you remember, it's the story of Moses up on the mountain. And that is a very pivotal moment in our redemptive history. I am who I am. God reveals himself to his people and comes, he says, to redeem them out of the exile that they set in and to begin a new life. God's name discloses who he is and what he is like. I am. Here is the I am, the eternal, unchanging, self-existent one, infinite and glorious. In every way, I am, he says. I am above everything. He is telling us he is God. When Jesus uses the same, when he applies it to himself and he says, I am, he is claiming himself to be God. Not a helper of God, not a teacher of God, but the divine, eternal, pre-existent, perfect being that he is. He is greater than Moses because he is the God of Moses. He has life in him, and he came here to give us eternal life. The Jews knew taking on this title was making such a claim. Which is why when you hear these stories, they very quickly picked up the stones to kill him. 
all of the Old Testament and God's redemptive acts were pointing to the coming of Jesus, the God in flesh. Let us hear the first I am story and statement. It is from John 6, beginning in the 22nd verse. The next day the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there. They also saw that Jesus had not gotten into the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Then some of the boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor the disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you are filled with the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then? so that we may see it and believe you. What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness as it was written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, bread really is probably the most common food we share when we have a meal. We all sit down. If you're like me, you stick the bread in the oven, then you sit down to eat and go, ah, it's in the oven and it's burned. But we still have bread with our meal. You have heard it said, probably from Leviticus 26, 26, bread is the staff of life. It says, when I break your staff for bread, ten women will bake your bread in one oven, and they will bring back your bread in rationed amounts so that you will eat and not be satisfied. Bread provides us lots of things. The dreaded carbohydrates, which I probably crave. And in that, it gives us energy, protein, all of the B vitamins which is good for our health, 
steadies our nerves, it gives us iron, it gives us calcium. So bread is really very healthy for us in some forms and in moderation, I would think. In scripture, to eat bread or break bread together, you see Jesus do this a lot. It is a symbol of friendship and fellowship. As you all know, bread is an essential element of Holy Communion. If you are reading through John, you will find that just above this passage, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. This is like the morning after. This is the Paul Harvey rest of the story. And on that morning after the crowd came to Capernaum seeking Jesus, they knew from their own personal experience that Jesus could satisfy their needs. They had just feasted on the banquet that he provided. So they began to search for him. Where is he? He was not at the place where they had had the bread that he had given them. And they had given thanks. And they quickly realized he's not here. Where did he go? And did they realize he's over there in Capernaum? So they get in their boats and they row across. When Jesus sees this, He's somewhat concerned about the priorities and motives and the hearts of these that are seeking him. In Jesus' first words to them, we hear in verses 26 and 27, when he says, Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which is the Son of Man. Those are the words he said to them because he knew they didn't understand yet. Their physical appetites had been satisfied. Their hunger within their stomach had been satisfied. So they were seeking Jesus for the same thing. They had failed to recognize and praise God for the signs they had seen in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus, who is the one who's really going to fill their spiritual hunger. In John's Gospel, the signs of Jesus were evidence that Jesus gives God the divine power. Jesus gives God the majesty. They were proof that he claims to be who he says he is. If you read, if you've been reading John, if we've been in John since Epiphany, you would see that at this point, he has already performed his first miracle. He has turned the water into wine at the wedding of Cana. He has healed the centurion's son. He healed the sick man at the pool of Bathsheba. 
And the feeding of the 5,000, as I said, had just taken place less than 24 hours prior to this encounter. John includes these signs and other signs so that we may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name what John is trying to convey to us. But instead of believing that Jesus is the Christ and receiving life through him, the crowds were only seeking proof. What then, they asked, do you do for a sign that we may see and believe in you? What work? Have you performed, sir, that we're going to believe in you? This is what this crowd is asking after he has fed the 5,000. When he fed them, the crowd did acknowledge that Jesus, as the prophet, had come into the world. But if you go up just a bit to verse 14, it's always important to read above and below your scripture. It says, therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had formed, they said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. You know, that's how crowds are. They can be rather fickle. They can quickly change their minds. They can turn on a dime. They can either be for you or be against you. In the Gospel of John, the crowds, when you hear the words, the crowds, by the time you get to the New Testament and toward the end of the Old Testament, the term crowds really refer to the common people, the people that did not strictly follow the demands of the law as rigorously as, say, the Pharisees did. Jesus often rebuked the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And he initially appealed to this crowd of common people. Just the day before, when he had fed the 5,000, this same crowd wanted to make him king. They were looking for the Messiah who would be their political liberator. The one who had come to overthrow the Roman rule, the one who was going to set them free from the cruelty of the Roman Empire. And when Jesus appears to be unwilling to take that course of action, this is when the crowds become skeptical toward him. Yes, some will come <coughs> to be followers and true believers. Others in that crowd will now oppose him. Some who believed at first will turn away from him. Crowds are fickle. And there is no doubt that some in this crowd will be part of that same crowd that will be screaming, Crucify him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. Crowds are fickle. 
Jesus offers himself as our Savior to this very crowd. You heard it said in verse 32. And when you hear that word truly, you need to listen up. Because in the original text, the word is amen. 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 Which truly, originally meant, literally, to be trustworthy, sure, dependable, certain. What Jesus is about to say is absolute truth. When he starts off with truly, you need to listen. Let your ears perk up. Because he's getting ready to give you a truth. It is a certain, dependable, reliable, and true that Jesus is the bread of life. He sums it up for us. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. What a promise. What a promise that we, as believers, can claim. If you come to me, you will no longer be hungry. If you believe in me, you will never thirst. Jesus gives us a similar commandment in verse 26. If you listen, he says, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. It is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is the bread of life, the true bread of heaven. Only he can satisfy. Material <coughs> possession, personal cravings, temporal pleasures, worldly achievements are not going to bring you the peace and contentment found. In Jesus. They do not last. Only Jesus can satisfy for eternity. He says, I am the bread. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. This is a sure promise, one that will never be broken. In the original text, that phrase is expressed as a double negative. Now, if there's some English teachers out here, y'all are going to know this. In English, a double negative is a real grammatical error. I mean, you get your paper marked off, right? But in Greek, a double negative is an emphatic promise. Years and years ago, when my son was in high school, somehow I got 
I still don't know how this happened. Um, I found myself as the cheerleading coach of the high school varsity cheerleaders. I thought, what in the world? And we went to camp, and it stuck with me when I was talking about that no double negative, because they had the silliest cheer. But it may be exactly what Jesus is saying to us. The cheer went, no, no, never, never, um, uh, um. Uh. And I thought, what is that? You know, what, what is it you're saying here? But they just thought it was the most fun. They used their little pom-poms. They had a big time doing it. I didn't care. They were happy. But that's what Jesus is saying to us. If you come to me, you will never go hungry. No, no. Never, never. I will satisfy you for eternity. By the way of the cross and the empty tomb, Jesus has made the provision to be our bread of life for all eternity. But no one can feed on the bread of life and remain part of that fickle crowd. To be his disciple requires a personal individual commitment. All who would be a disciple of Jesus must repent of sin and accept them as their personal Lord and Savior. Only those individuals that make this commitment to receive Jesus, his promise, you will never go hungry. You will never go thirsty. For he will give you eternal life. The crowd that day prayed, Lord, always give us bread. Lord, always give us bread. When this becomes your personal prayer of faith, Jesus, Will satisfy your spirit so that you will never ever be hungry or thirsty again. Amen and amen.